Well, good morning to everyone. I want to share this scripture before I begin to preach. Um, you know, Paul wrote to the churches, and if you read the New Testament, um, some of his letters were letters of, of um, instruction, correction, but, but I think every letter Paul wrote, he encouraged the church, you know, and, uh, and I believe that's, that's what I believe a pastor is called to do. We, you know, we instruct, we, we, you know, we correct all those things, but I believe really the, the, the greatest thing I can do um, as a pastor for this church is encourage you, you know, and uh, so Paul said in Philippians, in Philippians chapter one, it says, I thank my God every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And I like what he said there, that he, he always prays with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. And um, my wife and I, you know, we can't say it enough um, that y'all have partnered with us as a church in the gospel of, of, of what God has called us to do here in Covington and this St. Tammany region. And I was just reminded of that as we were worshiping, and, and God just impressed it upon my heart just to publicly acknowledge our thankfulness to you. And you know, there's a lot of things that go on behind the scenes with life groups and different ways people are ministering to the body that we don't always know about. And I'll hear about them sometimes, and it's just so encouraging that, that someone you know just gave to someone or met someone's need or prayed with someone or just loved somebody in the church. And, and this, I just cannot tell you what that means to my wife and I. And so I just want to brag on this church that I know those things are happening behind the scenes. And um, we got a great church. I mean, I, I, love, I love the people here. And y'all, the, the, the love here is, uh, it's genuine. It's not counterfeit. It's not a fake facade that we just put on just to try to impress each other. It's, it, it, it's taken place with genuine deeds that people are doing for one another. And, um, and that's just, I just cannot tell you enough what that means to both of us, to, to know that the body is, um, it's cared for, you know, and that's really, we'll talk about that when we have that newcomers party, but um, that's really the, the heart of our ministry is, is our small groups, our life groups that meet. And that's how the body connects, that's how we grow, um, that's how we pray, that's how we get to know one another and fellowship and all those things that they did um, in, the, um, in the New Testament. So, but I just wanted to share that with y'all and just to tell you how proud I am. And then Dennis, I just wanted to say publicly, that was awesome. I mean that. That, that was, um, uh, I might have to let you preach sometimes because you, 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 were very thoughtful. you were very thoughtful with that and I can tell you prepared for that. And it was, it was powerful. I mean that. I'm not just telling you that. I, it, was, it was very good, right on time for, for what, you know, the, the cross and the communion is all about. And so thank you for sharing that. That was great. Um, as I begin the, the message this morning, you know, and this isn't going to come as a surprise, but, you know, we are living in a fragile world. It's, it's fragile. And really, if you look at the world we live in, especially in 2023 with all the technology that we have, the world we live in is very deceptive. And it gives the impression that it is not fragile, but it is rather very safe, very sound, very stable, and very secure. And, um, but, but it's not. And um, those, those things can be extremely deceiving. Um, 
the most recent thing that just happened, my wife and I was just talking about this. Y'all might have seen that uh, Silicon, uh, Silicon Valley Bank collapse that just recently collapsed. And, um, you know, I was reading a little bit. I'm not an economist. I don't understand all the stuff about money. But, I mean, you don't need to really be real smart to figure a lot of stuff out with this. But they were saying that, you know, the, I think it's up to $250,000. The government protects the money that you have invested in the bank. And anything beyond that, I, I don't know. But they, it sounds like the people had a lot. Lori was telling me that the, that was only, how, what was the percent? Only 7% of the people had uh, $250,000 or, or, or less. So the majority of the people had more. For what I read, the money will be recovered. But there was a real possibility, and maybe still it still exists, that the money may not have been recovered. And, and that, that could be that. So we, you know, we look at the financial institutions and we think, well, there's so much wealth, there's so much of, you know, uh, you know th in, our, in our society that surely we're safe. Every, everything's fine, but we're not. And the other thing you look at, and this has always just really confused me how, how we can function this way, but the, the American debt, the national debt is $31.46 Now, we just say that number because we've heard it so much, and we're like, well, a trillion dollars is a lot of money. A billion dollars, a million dollars is a lot. $31 trillion is the total amount of outstanding borrowing by the U.S. federal government accumulated over the nation's history. In other words, we've spent $31.46 trillion more than we have taken in. That we, we've spent more money than, than we've taken in. That's the debt that, that, that we carry. So when I look at that and I, and I think of how fragile things are, um, that, that tells me that really we're broke. I mean, you know, the, 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 when the government comes together, when they talk about spending bills and we're going to pass a bill to spend money on whatever initiative it is they want to spend money on. In, in reality, until this $31 trillion is removed or erased, we don't have any money. So it, and, I, and I'm, I'm not saying this to scare people, but it's like the, the, the economy is basically built on like a house of cards. It, it's not stable. It's not, it, it's almost a facade in, in a lot of ways. Yet the, the majority of the people living in the world think that we're, we're rich and we're wealthy and we're, you know, we're strong and we're secure, when in reality, when you really look at it, we're not. And um, then you look at the health crisis of our world, and it was exposed you know, recently with the COVID thing, and we're really not in any kind of place to be able to, to handle any kind of health crisis in this world. I mean, I, I think we, we, you know, we, we didn't handle that very well with, with, with the COVID. Then we look at, and, and in our country, and this is probably prevalent in other countries, but I think more so in the United States, the murder and lawlessness that's happening, there, there's lawlessness. There's no, there's no law and order. There's, there's just a spirit of, I can basically get out there and do whatever I want to do, and nobody's going to tell me I can't. That's lawlessness. That's what we're experiencing. And then we, we look at the world we're living in, and we think, well, there's peace. There's not peace. There's wars and there's turmoil that's happening all around us. And there's probably more wars and turmoil than we hear about. We hear of the, the bigger ones like the, the Ukraine and Russia war and, and that, that. But there's a, lot, there's a lot of conflict. 
and things behind the scenes where nations are against other nations. There's hatred and there's war. And then, of course, the natural disasters that we look at. And we look at that recent earthquake that happened in, um, in Turkey and, and Syria. Um, I think, I forget the number now, it was 40, 40 or 50,000 people, I think. You know, just staggering numbers when we, when we think of the death toll of one event like that. So when we look at that, and that's just a, just a really quick, brief overview of some things. You know, I could dive in deeper and with more detail of, you know, of, of, our, of our world situation. But when you think of those things, what place on earth is safe and secure? In other words, where can I go in this world where I'm safe and where I'm secure? Is there any place that we can go here on earth? Or, or is there any place where we can go where we're removed from the place of instability and uncertainty? I can't think of any that, that I would go to that, that, that I would feel that way. So um, what is our hope and our escape as a human race? What is our hope? Well, Malachi chapter 3 says, On the day when I act, says the Lord Almighty, there will, they will be my treasured possession. I will spare them just as a father has compassion and spares his son who serves him. And you will again see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. The Bible says that there's going to be a distinction. And Malachi was prophesying of the coming of Jesus Christ, of the salvation of Jesus Christ. And what Malachi was saying was there's going to be a distinction between those who love God and those who don't love God. And the difference is going to be Jesus Christ. It's going to be whether we've accepted Jesus Christ or whether we rejected him. And really, that's the two people that's living in the world today. Those who, who acknowledge Jesus Christ as God's son, as the Savior and the Messiah, and has accepted him, or those of us who have rejected him and who have not acknowledged that Jesus Christ is, is, the, is our salvation. Um, our salvation is not by works. It has nothing to do with man, the Bible says. It is 100% by grace and by faith that we are saved. Paul makes that extremely clear. He said there's no boasting. There's no boasting in our salvation, for by grace we have been saved through faith, not of works. It is a gift of God, the Bible says. So, but the Bible tells us there is a place that cannot be moved. It's called the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, and that's my, my message title today, is a kingdom that, that cannot be shaken. A kingdom that cannot be shaken. And it's imperative for you and I as believers to understand our position in Christ. As believers, we do not need to search for a place that is firm um, or, or, or worldly systems that will make us secure. We are already now in that place as a believer. Do, do you all understand that? That there's a kingdom, the Bible says, that is not of this world, that, that is not connected to this world, that has nothing to do with man or, or, or economic or religious systems. It's, it's disconnected from this world. And if you are a Christian seated in this room this morning, you are in that kingdom. That's a good place to be. That, 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 that's a safe place to be. See, my hope is a deeper understanding of this kingdom will increase our faith and confidence in who we are. And by doing so, will cause us to walk without fear, but with peace. That's what God wants his church to do. And the New Testament gives numerous accounts of the kingdom of God. And Jesus, when speaking and teaching, often mentioned the, the kingdom of God. So we're going to look at a, at a 
explanation or a definition of, of the kingdom of God. But, but it's important for us to understand this as believers, that this is our position in Christ. This, this is our position in Jesus Christ. We're in the kingdom of God. And many people think, well, it's a, when we think of kingdoms, we think of military forces and, and fortresses and you know, mighty buildings and stuff like that. It's not like that. It's a spiritual kingdom. It's a position and a place that you and I occupy because of our relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible says. So this, um, and I'm going to pull up the other one in a second, Ruby, but this first one I'm just going to read here. This is a, just a broadly speaking uh, explanation of the kingdom of God because the kingdom of God is one of those things I think we say a lot as Christians, but do we really, when we say the kingdom of God, do we really understand what that is or what that means? So broadly speaking, the kingdom of God is the rule of an eternal sovereign God over all the universe. Several passages of scripture show that God is the undeniable monarch of all creation. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. And as King Nebuchadnezzar declared, his kingdom is an eternal kingdom. Every authority that, it, that exists has been established by God. That says that in Romans. So in one sense, the kingdom of God incorporates everything that is. Now that, that's a broader sense in the fact that God is sovereign. In other words, God, it's not like God is, is not in control. Like when we think of things in the world that seem out of control, we say, well, where's God when all these things are taking place? God is firmly seated on his throne. N none of these things move God. God is never surprised. You can never tell some, something to God that God doesn't already know. God is, is sovereign. He's, he's over. So in a, in a broader sense, as this says, God's kingdom encompasses everything that God is. But in a, in a more narrowly sense, if you want to put that up there, Ruby, the kingdom of God is a spiritual rule over the hearts and lives of those who willingly submit to God's authority. Those who defy God's authority and refuse to submit to him are not part of the kingdom of God. In contrast, those who acknowledge the lordship of Christ and gladly surrender to God's rule in their hearts are part of the kingdom of God. In this sense, the kingdom of God is spiritual. Jesus said his kingdom was not of this world, and he preached that repentance is necessary to be a part of the kingdom of God. So if we look at that, at that description there, what, what that is telling me is that to become a part of God's kingdom in the earth, you have to submit to Jesus Christ. In other words, God's kingdom is really his church. The, the kingdom of God is his church. Not every church, but the church that acknowledges that Jesus Christ is Lord. So it, in a sense, it's a, it's a spiritual kingdom, just as it says, and just what it, what it says here, those who willingly submit to God's authority. In other words, God's, God's authority, God's will on earth, we're part of the kingdom of God. That's extremely important for us to understand because the things that I outlined in the world, they're bad, but they're going to get worse. <laughs> they're not going to improve. The, the things in the world are probably going to get worse. But you and I need to know as Christians that we, we are disconnected from those things if we are in Christ. We are in the kingdom of God. That's the safest place you can be. No man, no, no economic disaster, nothing can touch you in God's kingdom. That's the safest place that, that you and I 
could ever be. So as I was preparing for this, I thought about this. I doubt many Christians wake up every day and tell themselves, I'm living in the kingdom of God. I don't think we say that, but you are. You're in the kingdom. That, when Jesus talked about the kingdom of God, and I'm going to look at this at the end of the message, but what did Jesus say? He says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, where? On earth as it is in heaven. So the kingdom of God is what? It's the will of God. It's the plan and purpose of God on the earth. Not the purpose of men, not the purpose of religion, not the purpose of government. It's the will and plan and purpose of God on the earth. So when you and I join in with that and we say, yeah, I want to be a part of what God is doing on the earth. I want to join in on that. Then guess what you've done? You've become a part of God's kingdom. You're in the kingdom of God. Thank you, Jesus, that we're in the, that we're in the kingdom of God. Hebrews, um, we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 12, just a few verses here. It says, see to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? At that time his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, once more I will shake not only the earth but also the heavens. The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is, created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. And what a powerful passage here in Hebrews. And if you read the book of Hebrews, you'll discover that the book of Hebrews gives us, gives us several warnings. And if the, Bible, if the Bible's given us a warning, you better pay attention to that, you know. It's not like man's given you or God's given you a warning. And one of the warnings was in Hebrews chapter 2, the warning was to pay attention. It says the message of salvation in Hebrews chapter 2 is how should we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? What a powerful scripture. It's a, it's a, it's a warning for us to not, to, for us to pay attention. And then there's a warning against unbelief in Hebrews chapter 3. It says against a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. God warns us of unbelief. We know what happened with the nation of Israel when they unbelieved. The whole generation was wiped out, the Bible says, and the younger generation was able to, to go in and to uh, inherit the promised land, but the, the older generation that refused to believe that God could conquer the land of Canaan, they all died, the Bible says. So it's a warning against unbelief. And then there's a warning against falling away in Hebrews uh, chapter 6 talks about the spirit of apostasy, which is the, which is the spirit of falling away from God. The, and, and, and Paul said in the New Testament that that spirit would be more prevalent as the approach of, this, of, the, of the coming of Christ comes. I believe we're seeing that today in the world, that there's a spirit of falling away. There's a, there's a lack of, uh, of enthusiasm. There's a lack of, of hunger and desire for the things of God, even within the church as a whole. There's, a, there's just a spirit of, of just of falling away from God, and the Hebrew writer warns warns against that. And then what we're what we're discussing today today in Hebrews chapter twelve says a warning against refusing refusing the Lord. So um, Hebrews chapter one tells us in the past God spoke through our forefathers and prophets in many ways in various times, but in these last days He's speaking to us through His Son. 
So what Hebrews is saying is, it's one thing if God speaks through a man. That, that's powerful. But it's another thing when God speaks directly to man through Jesus Christ. And the Bible says in these last days, which we are in the last days, that was written when the Bible was written thousands of years ago. In the last days, the Bible says, God is speaking to us through his son. How much more should we pay attention to what it is that Jesus Christ is, speak, is, is speaking to us? So um, I want to look at this passage here in um, Hebrews chapter 12. And I believe um, that in, in this passage, it gives us three things that the message of the gospel will produce. There's going to be a removing, a remaining, and a receiving. And then we're going to look at those three things here. In verse 27, it says, The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is, created things. So the first thing we look at is the removing of what can be shaken. And the message of the gospel spoken through Jesus is shaking every foundation and institution that, that we're living in today. And, um, and I believe happening across the earth. God is exposing the weaknesses of the worldly systems man has created. He is exposing the foolishness of those who place their hope and trust in such fragile and unpredictable um, systems. Um, remember, this was written to the church. So the world without Christ cannot understand these words, but those of us who have Christ, we can understand these things. So I believe this is happening, and God is doing this, that God is shaking the things that man places his trust in, that the, the institutions, the, even the education systems, all, all the things that man places his trust in, God is doing what? He's shaking those things. Why? Because he wants the world to see, and more in particular the church to see, that those things are not stable. They're not safe. They're not guaranteed. They're, they're not permanent. They're not where you would put your hope or you'd put your trust in. So, so God is shaking God is shaking the things that can be shaken, the, the, create, the, the created things in the world. And um, you think about the governments and the powers of men and you know, look at the government, how inapt governments are to do anything to lead their people. They have all this money and all the wealth and, and the, and the uh, militaries and all these other things, but they cannot govern their own people. Yet, yet the world still tries to place their hope and their trust in government. Church, I'm here to tell you our hope is not in government. It's not in government. That I, I, I mean, I... I'm not saying there's no good, but I can't find much good in government. I can't find it. But the world still looks to them and clings to them. Well, this is my hope. This is my salvation. It's not. So what is God going to do? God's going to begin to shake those things. Those things are going to begin to start moving. And they, there's a movement taking place. And you, you can just see it. There's no ability for men to lead. There's no ability for men to govern. Why? Because they've rejected God. They don't want God. They want to they try to leave without God. Well, guess what? It doesn't work. It's not going to work. It's going to fail. It's going to be a disaster. And then we look at the, look at the financial institutions. And, you know, as a, as a Christian, and we have to be careful of this. And, you know, we have to draw a line between, you know, being, being very prudent and then being fearful. Like, am I afraid I'm going to lose all my money or am I being prudent to save the money, that I, be, and I believe God wants us to be prudent and to exercise wisdom. But even believers have to be careful that we're not placing our trust in money. 
that, that what, what, it, what it says, the, the root of all evil is not money, it's the love of money or the, the trust of money, that, that money becomes our foundation. And, you know, Dennis said it so good. You know, what if all of a sudden you never had any money? Would God still be on his throne? Would I still be saved? Would I still be blessed? Okay, you got to ask yourself. i got to ask myself that. Yes, I believe God wants us to be prudent and to be wise and to exercise, uh, you know, caution and spending and saving and all those different things. But at the end of the day, that's not our foundation. That, that's not my safe place. That's going to be going anyway. You're not going to take any of it with you. I don't care how much, how much money you accumulate on earth. It's not going to go with you. That's not your safe place. So God, God's rocking those institutions. We, we see what's happening with inflation and, and the price of, uh, of, of the housing market and all these different things. It, it, what is it? It's unstable. See, what God, God's shaking those things. There's a, there's a shaking. God's, God's removing those things. And then the religious institutions and traditions of men. We think, oh, well, religion, that's a good thing. Well, not if it's not preaching the gospel. Not if it contradicts what the word of God says. I don't care if they've got 10,000 people in the church. If they're not speaking the truth of what the word of God says, it's not the church. <laughs> so God's, God's, God's doing what he's shaking those things. He, why? Why, he wants to purge the things that, not, that, are, not, that are not real, the, the counterfeit things so the real thing can, can rise up. Right. See, God's, God, God's, doing, God's doing a shaking a shaking with those things. So, But I thought about this, you know, we think about God removing things as a whole in, in our world or in our society, but what about God wanting to remove some things from our hearts? Maybe God's wanting to shake some things up in us uh, in, individually and to remove, what about to remove the love of the things that we have in, for the world as a church? And we, we all, my hands are up, we all fall victim to those things that we, we can, you know, we look at the world, the, the, you know, the, the possessions, the, the, the things we look at, we, we we want those things, but maybe God is wanting to remove some of those things from our hearts as Christians, the, the, the desire we have to gain those things, the, maybe some things that we've placed as idols, things that we've placed above God, that we say, you know what, this God, this is more important than you are. It could be anything. It could be your job. It could be your house, your, your, your vocation. It, it, could be, it could be a number of things. Um, maybe God wants to remove some things from us individually. Um, maybe it's envy, maybe it's greed, maybe it's jealousy, maybe it's immorality. What, what are some things that God wants to shake up in, in your life and my life individually that God wants to remove some things? Because God wants to purge everything that's not of him. Remove all the things that are not, that, that, that are not of him so that only, only the things that he has um, will, will exist. So, so that's the first thing is God, God is, doing, is doing some removing. So when you when you sit back as a Christian and see, we, the Bible says that we are not unaware of these things that are happening. The, the world that doesn't have Christ, that doesn't acknowledge God, they don't read the Bible, they don't know what God says, they are not aware of what's happening. They are just, they are just jumping right in and falling for the trap of everything that the world's given them. But you, as the church, you need to step back for a second, and, and it should cause us pause to say, you know what, I see what's happening around us. I'm aware. Why? Because this is what the Bible says, that God is removing some things. God is, God is shaking some things. There are some things happening. So what does that do for me? It, I, I'm not afraid. I, I'm not in fear. 
the, the inflation could go up to whatever percent it wants to go to, the, the price of housing, the, 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 the price of the pump, whatever it is, I'm not living in fear because I know what the word of God says. See, that's important for you and I, for you and I to understand that. And look what he says here in verse 27. He says, the words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is, created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. So the next thing we see is the remaining of what cannot be shaken. So what, what cannot be shaken? You know, we think of the things I just named, all the institutions, the monies, the, the, the ways of the world. But um, all created things will be removed, but the gospel system was not instituted by man. See, God did it in such a way, and I've said this to this church before, God made sure the plan of salvation had nothing to do with man in the sense that man had anything to do with providing it. It was, it was 100% God. And that's evident of us in the, in the birth of Christ. And we look at, we look at Mary and we, we look at the virgin birth and we say, well, the virgin birth. Well, why was the virgin birth so significant? The Bible says that every single person that's born of Adam is what? Is born into sin. We, we have a sin nature. We're, 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 or we are attached to Adam in the physical sense. Everybody born of Adam has a sin nature. So what did God do? God said Jesus Christ is going to be born, but he's going to be born out of man. He's going, to be, he's going to be conceived by the Holy Spirit. The virgin birth made it in such a way that man had nothing to do with the birth of Christ. Jesus was born sinless. He was, this, he was a sinless son of God. So, so I go back and look at that. That's the root. That, that is the, the, we can trace the history of salvation all the way from the birth of Christ. It had nothing to do with men. It's all to do with God, that God, God set it up in such a way that it would be, that it would be his system of salvation. So um, look at this. Um, I came across this Matthew Henry description here. This It says, it is by the gospel from heaven that God shook to pieces the civil and ecclesiastical state of the Jewish nation and introduced the new state of the church that cannot be removed, shall never be changed or any other on earth, but shall remain till it be made perfect in heaven. And he's describing the, the, the church. Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That, that's the kingdom of God. That's the, that's the church that you and I live in, and not a religious system, not, a, not the Jewish system of the laws of the Old Testament and all of those things that God did. It's the church of Christ. It's the, those of us who have confessed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior that's, that's, the, that's the kingdom. So Jesus said, again, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And God's will is the salvation of men. What is God's will on the earth? That everybody will become born again. That whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's God's will. That's God's kingdom. That, not, 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 a religious, not a religious system, not a religious organization, but that men and women would confess with their mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's, that's, that's the will. That's the kingdom. That's the, that's the purpose of God on the earth. So, see, this kingdom cannot be shaken. Doesn't matter. Doesn't, let, let, let all the crises come with the financial institutions. Let the wars come. Let, let, let nation go against nation. You, you are living in a kingdom that cannot be touched. It was not started by man. It cannot be ended by man. It's all to do with God. 
It's a spiritual place that you and I are in. It's a safe place. So if, if God would say anything to the church, God would say this, stay in the kingdom of God. Don't walk away from God's kingdom. Don't look for another, another place to go. You're in the safest place you can be. The kingdom of God is where God would have us be. See, Jesus told Nicodemus, he said, no one can see the kingdom of God unless what? Unless he is born again. Got to be born again. You can't see flesh and blood's not going to inherit this. The, 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 the way of thinking that you and I think, the carnal mind, the, the fleshly mind, the fleshly way of thinking, that's not going to inherit the kingdom of God. You, ha you have to be blind to the ways of that. You got to open your eyes up to the truth of what the word of God says. It's only when we are born again. So, so praise God. See, that's the, to me, what, what, the, what the just of the Hebrew writer was saying is that, that, that we rejoice because we're living in a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Yes, things are going to be shaken. I believe even a greater shaking is going to take place. But praise God, we're in a kingdom that's safe. You're in a place that's secure. You're in the kingdom of God. So, so what will remain? We, we think of the church, but think about this. The Bible says um, these, these three will remain. And, uh, Paul said in Corinthians, what, he, what did he say the three that will remain? Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. So what are the things that are, that are going to remain? Well, it's God's holiness. God's holiness will never, will never go away. Um, truth. Jesus said, I am the truth. The truth will remain. That, that cannot be shaken. Um, peace. All the fruit of the, of, the, of the Holy Spirit, Paul talked about in Galatians, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, all of those things, those things cannot be shaken. See, that's the inheritance that God has given his church, the safe place that you and I are in. We have joy. We have eternal life. None of these things can be removed from us. That, that's the place that you and I are in. So again, we don't wake up telling ourselves, I'm in this kingdom, but you are in this kingdom. And you need to rejoice and tell God, thank you, Lord, that, I, that I'm in this. And I've, I've walked in through the cross. That's how I've gained access into the kingdom of God is by the cross of Calvary, uh, by, by confessing that Jesus Christ is, is your Lord and is your Savior. And then look in verses 28 and 29. It says, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. So the next thing we see here is we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And y'all know, I told you this, when you read scripture and the Bible says, therefore, what do you do? You go back and find out what it's there for. And you, you, the therefore always means there's something that was written before that. And what did, what, what did the Hebrew writers say? There's going to be things that, that God is going to shake, that's going to be removed. There's going to be things that's going to remain. And then now, now the Hebrew writers saying, therefore, since we, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us, that's the church, if, if you confess Jesus Christ, the us is you. Let us be thankful and so worship God. That's what we did. Why do we worship God? Because we're thankful. Yeah. We, we worship him for who he is, but then worship is also out of a heart of thankfulness. And, and, uh, and what did Dennis say? You wrote the list of, of things that you were blessed with, and you probably, you probably needed 20 pages to, to write the thing. We, we could never write. God, I just, so God, I worship you First of all, for who you are, and then I'm thank I'm God, I'm thankful. 
God, you, you created me. You, you allowed me to have a life, to have a wife, to have children, grandchildren, to, to enjoy this earth that you've given us. All the things that God, everything is from God. So we're thankful. So the Hebrew writer says, so let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe for our God is, is, a, is a consuming fire. So, so we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. So what should our response be? Well, the first thing I said, it's thanksgiving. You just thank God. And I've said this before to this church. I don't care how bad things get in your life. There should never be a time in your life where you can't thank God for, for, for something. Right. I don't care how bad it is. And I know I've haven't experienced things that some of you in this room have experienced. I understand that. But I believe God has placed within my heart an understanding that, that, that I'm thankful for God, for who he is and what he has given me. All of us have something to be thankful for. And, and that's, that's really, you know, what, you know, one of the first things you should do when you pray. You know, Jesus said, Hollywood be your name. We, we acknowledge and exalt God. But then I believe you should just start thanking God. Just start thanking him, God. Just just, just thank him. Just for the little things, the place to sleep, clothes to wear, you know, food to eat, a foundation that's free, all the things that God has done for us. And then, then it says um, we, we worship God out of pure hearts and devotion for what God has given us. And then it says there's a, there's a complete surrender. We've, we've surrendered to God. See, that's, the, that's really the definition of those who are in the kingdom of God. We've done what? We've surrendered. I've surrendered. I say, God, I, 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 I agree with what your word says. I'm a sinner. Jesus is your son. Salvation is found in no one else. I can't save myself. No matter how hard I try to be good, I'll never be good enough. So, God, I understand what your word says. I surrender myself to what your word says. I, I, I acknowledge that Jesus Christ is, is Lord. He's Messiah. He's Savior. Guess what you've done at that very moment? You've entered the kingdom of God the will and plan and purpose of God on the earth is that everybody will be saved. That, that's, God's, that's God's plan. So um, look at this description here talking about the kingdom of God that I came across. It says, it is if the writer to the Hebrews said, there is a choice before you. Remain unshakably true to God and in the day when the universe is shaken into destruction, your relationship with God will stand safe and secure. Be false to God, and that very God who might have been your salvation will be to you a consuming fire of destruction. It is a grim thought, but in it there is the eternal truth, for there is no altering that if a man is true to God, he gains everything, and if he is untrue to God, he loses everything. In time and in eternity, nothing matters save only loyalty to God. And what a beautiful description of the kingdom of God. And that, 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 that's, where, that's where you and I are. And what a, what a safe place to be. See, it's important. That's what I started off by saying as a, as a pastor. Yes, we instruct, we correct, we teach, we train, we do all those things. But, but really, I believe this, this is a warning, but it's really an encouragement. That, yes, the world we live in is... is it's horrible. It's, 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 it, why? Because they rejected God. We're looking at the evidence of what happens to a society where they don't want God. That's, that's the evidence, the murder, the, the poor education system, the abortion, you know, the hating of parents. All of those different things are all evidence that this society as a whole has rejected God. 
but not the church. We've accepted the truth of who Jesus Christ is. We're, we're in the kingdom of God. So it's really the church, we need to rejoice. There should be great rejoicing that, that God has set up in such a way that we can inhabit a safe place in the midst of all the bad things happening around us. There's a, just like the nation of Israel. Remember in the Old Testament when God did all the plagues in Egypt? Where was Israel? They were in Goshen. And everything that happened to Israel, none of those plagues happened in Goshen. Why? Because God had a hedge of protection. Israel was God's people. Guess who the church is? We're God's people. We're in a safe place. You're in the kingdom of God. Rejoice, the Bible says. Be thankful. Be glad that God, that God has done these things for us. Amen? Amen. I'm going to close with this. Um, I don't know if, uh, well, we'll wait and play that song in a second here. Jesus, um, Jesus said this, and you know, and I'm going to read this in Luke chapter, in Luke chapter 11, and many people mis, misunderstand what this was about, the, the Lord's Prayer. And it's not wrong to recite the Lord's Prayer, but really, when you read the Bible, it wasn't really never meant to be a prayer in a sense. It was really Jesus was telling his disciples how to pray. It was an outline of, of how to pray. So I'm not saying it's wrong to, to recite and it's wrong to pray to prayer, but if you look at what the Bible says, it's not, it wasn't never really meant as that purpose only, I guess. So Hebrews 11, I mean, Luke 11, it says, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say. And then he said what we call the Lord's Prayer. But the disciples, what did they ask him? Teach us to pray. Don't give us a prayer. Teach us how to pray. And then Jesus said, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. And Jesus right there said, when, when you pray, what did, what did Jesus say to do? Pray that God, your kingdom come. <laughs> pray the kingdom of God, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what God wants his church to be doing. Church, just let's pray for God's kingdom. Let's pray for God's will to be done on the earth. And how is, it gonna, how is God going to do that? What, what's the mechanism God's going to use? It's his church. It's us, the vessels that God has called. We're, we're the mouthpiece. We're the voices going out, speaking the truth of the word of God all across the places where you and I live. We are in the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. Praise God. You can stand to your feet, please.